Welcome to the Hannibal Rivertown Review Podcast, a celebration of Hannibal, Missouri, its history, its people, and its colorful characters, real and fictional. And now, the Hannibal Rivertown Review Podcast. We, we hit the record button and we see what happens for the next 20 minutes to hour and a half or whatever works. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I got to get back to the real job here. Well, yeah, what are you talking about? yeah, yeah, you, you and me both. So yeah, we, we can't be here all day. Uh, it is Hannibal's original podcast, The Rivertown Review. I'm Harold Smith, and I'm Megan Rapp. And not yet, and I haven't once said what number this is yet. I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I'm trying. I'm trying to you know, self control. She gets on me when I'm real particular. Of course, her husband gets after me because I say I'm not going to say what episode number it is, and then I say you it. You always say it. Yeah, and if somebody's paying that close attention, then. Uh, I, I better I better adjust. It's good to have it, fans. It, 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 yeah, we've we dozens and dozens. Dozens and dozens, that's, right? That's right. Oh, no. And wherever you have found us, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it very much. You could be listening to any of a hundred, hundreds of thousands of podcasts, and you chose us, and we appreciate that very, that very much. We uh, we try to to give you a varied uh, view of uh, the things going on in Hannibal, the various aspects of the community. But of course, the the thing that that drives the town, the thing that the guy that put Hannibal on the map was that guy Sam Clements. And every four years, the the fancy word is Would you like to, uh, the quadrennial Clements Conference. I let I let the one with the education uh, take care of that. It is the Clements Conference. And and did you know? I also believe they have a compendium for the quadrennial oh, Clements Conference. They have a compendium. That's right. Ever since say that ev- five times fast. Ever since the steampunk people, they don't have a program. They have a compendium, mm-hmm. and so now everyone, whether they call it a program or not, it's not a program. It's a compendium. There are certain words that are just fun to say. That's right, guacamole and and, and words like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one of the presenters for the Clemens Conference, those folks in town, uh, as we record this this weekend, Melissa Scolds Young is here. Melissa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. It's good to be back. We are so excited that you are here, and just a very brief background, the, um, the Quadrennial Clemens Conference is a scholarly conference, so you have um, Twain scholars from all over the country. All over the uh, world over the for world. this one. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, mm-hmm. usually you have people flying all over um, for uh, intensive, multi-day presentations. Um, uh, and and conversations about about Twain. I mean, we we've talked in this podcast so many times about you know how how much Twain is still in daily um, the daily lexicon. You know, you can hardly you know pick up a newspaper without somebody quoting Twain. And and the scholarly um, uh, the research is still ongoing. And so it's great to have this type of thing here in Hannibal where we consider his his stories started. And um, we were especially excited that you were able to um, come on the podcast and agree to do so because you, like Twain, lived in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Although I was born and raised here and, and proudly come back home where he, um, he spent his boyhood here and really had to leave in order to figure out really how to write about it. But last night at the opening reception that was at the Mark Twain Museum, Henry Sweets, of course, who's retiring mm-hmm. and, and, and has been such a servant uh, to literature, said that Twain is still pertinent in his work. We're talking about it all the time. We have a Clemens Conference. Uh, people are still writing about it, researching it, discovering new things because he wrestles human nature. And so as long as we are still wrestling with human nature, we're going to keep talking Twain. So it's good to be back. Exactly. Yep. We, we've said it before. As long as, uh, 
you know, once people still get ticked off by twin quotes, <laughs> even though he has well, been when they're wrong, deceased. when they're wrong, we really do. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, I get that's, that's she, my pet that's her. That's her. That's right. Oh my get, gosh! If people get, misquote twin, you know, I don't think insane. Clemens would mind at all. I think he would just be taking credit for all of it. Yeah, of sure. I, I said, said that. I said that exactly. You betcha. That is, that is very true. But yeah, as long as he has the power to to rile people up and mm-hmm. and make people think um, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So um, again, you know, this is we're recording in 2019, but it is the quadrennial Clemens Conference, so it comes around. Um, information is always on the uh, Mark Twain Museum's website. But um, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about, um, we know you're presenting. You're mm-hmm. actually going to be presenting at this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, what I'm presenting yes. on. Um, so one of the fun things about a conference like this is that there are all these conversations that happen at the conference, around the conference. You have more than 60 scholars in a room and you get to ask questions as well. So I'm bringing a presentation called uh, Reimagining Becky Thatcher. And I'm really still continuing to try to figure out what it means to be a Becky, what it means to grow up in a town like Hannibal with these statues of Tom and Huck all around you, and what that, how that influences um, a writer, how it influences a young person growing up here. And so I'm going back to the scholarship and looking at how Becky was portrayed through Tom Sawyer, how many of his other female characters, through the evolution, how... Clemens changed, especially his political views through his life, and how that really influenced his scholarship. And so I'm looking at um, how we can perhaps reimagine a character like Becky so that she remains evergreen as well. So, but there will be a lot of questions, and I I look forward to the always the question and answer because I learn so much from it. And of course, when it comes to Becky Thatcher, as with all of uh, Mark Twain's characters, based on people that he grew up with, in this case, mm-hmm. Laura Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, immediately when I decided to write a novel about Hannibal, set in Hannibal, about this idea of water going backwards and a, and a Tom and Huck friendship reimagined as female, I knew my main character's name would be Laura. Um, I knew that her love interest would be Sammy, and I knew that that was really dangerous water to be wading into. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised to get invited to the conference, and absolutely thrilled that—that's that, me—that the um, absolutely thrilled that the Twain scholars have combed this book, have endorsed this book, have enjoyed this book, have huh. have felt that um, that I'm doing justice to Hannibal and presenting it in an, an affectionate light, but also. Uh, doing the same thing Twain did, which is asking questions, yeah. really. Yeah, the, the book, of course, that uh, Melissa refers to is a, a, a book called Flood, and we'll we'll get into that mm-hmm. as we go along. But when it when it ta- when it uh, comes to uh, uh, the the subject of your presentation about uh, Becky Thatcher, so what about Becky Thatcher? I have questions, um, <laughs> as every good writer does, and I. So back in 1993, when I was in high school, of course, the 500-year flood in Hannibal, I was working part-time after school at the Hannibal Chamber of Commerce. And I was the person that uh. answered the voicemails, because back then people would call Hannibal. And Is Hannibal underwater? They would call and ask that question as well, but they'd also call and leave voicemails with their mailing addresses for brochures, because uh-huh. they wanted to come to Hannibal and it's 1993, and nobody's on the internet, and you can't just Google it. Mm-hmm. And so I was the person in the Hannibal Chamber of Commerce who would look up those addresses, address the envelopes, and I learned a ton of history about Hannibal. 
Uh, I think we think because it's such a historic town that we all know our own history, but the fact is it's absolutely lovely to be a tourist in this town. A big part of the Clemens Conference is going to Mark Twain's birthplace, going to the caves, going to the museums, and it is really fun to be a tourist again and to look at the things you think you know about Hannibal and discover how many of them um, need rediscovered in your own (laughs) imagination and reconfirmed. So part of reimagining Becky Thatcher was also looking at the ways I have always thought about Tom Sawyer and thought about uh, the adventures of Tom Sawyer and why Becky's character is so limited in her development because it's a story told through Tom Sawyer's eyes, right? And so what does that mean when when one character really is a minor character? Um, and how do we reimagine that as a major character, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as far as... Um, uh, Becky is concerned. Of course, you talk about you know you grew up here. Mm-hmm. Um, talk talk about your your journey that brings you full circle, brings you back here every so often, brings you here as a presenter. I mean, you've mm-hmm. uh, obviously uh, a published. I'm trying to think of how many published authors we've had on the podcast. Now we've had we've had multiple ones uh, yeah. here. Uh, we have, well, Steve Chow is one. Um, um, well, John. John John Wingate, Wingate. we've mm-hmm. had here uh, is 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 um, is um, is Cindy a, a published author? She uh, she did write novels. Um, oh, she okay. wrote middle grades novels a very long time ago before uh, okay. she became uh, stepped into the Twain Scholar. I think she was always. I think she was born a Twain Scholar. Oh, yeah. But before if, she uh, became my favorite yeah. word that uh, the first first time I ever heard the word was from Cindy, and I've mm-hmm. heard it from others is the you know p- people that aren't don't just know Twain. The word is Twainiacs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she she is <laughs> she a great lead, word. She leads the parade. Yes, as far as that's that's concerned. But uh, you you left here, and uh, mm-hmm. you've been you know carried on very much a literary career yourself. I have. I teach now at American University in Washington, D.C., and it is, uh, Hannibal is an amazing place to be from because everybody knows it, right? And when you grow up here, you learn to tell stories, and 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 that's really what fiction is, right? We're, re, we're asking questions. We're wrestling with truth the same way that, that, that Clemens did, but everybody recognizes Hannibal. So when I say I'm from Hannibal, Missouri, everybody has an idea of it. And so many of the things that I write about in the novel, you and I would know, are completely true. The Tom and Becky contest, right? Yep. Um, every historical street in the book is completely true. But outside of Hannibal, Sometimes people think I'm making this up, (laughs) Uh, that this can't be this authentic. It can't be quite this preserved, that these stories that Twain told um, can't still sort of exist in America's hometown. And so it's it's really fun to take a book like this out into the world. And um, I'm surprised by what they think I've made up that I absolutely have not made up. (laughs) I always get the question, were you a Becky? Um, and I'm always incredibly sad to admit that I am not Becky material in any way. Um, it never occurred to my parents to suggest that I was Becky material. Um, and I... Um, it wasn't even their idea? It was definitely not. Oh, no. My best friend was a Becky. Um, I've dated a lot of Toms. So it's I'm familiar with the contest. Yes, we all have. We all have. Um, so I'm familiar with the contest, but it's it's um it I think sometimes it takes an outside perspective to realize what is so amazing about your hometown, mm-hmm. but also to raise questions. Like how come my mom says I always poke at things? Like you just can't leave things alone. Like I have questions. Um so 
and and one of one of our um, you know, part of our mission statement is and thing we've marveled at is uh, all of the people that I, I suppose to just slightly stretch a point that mm-hmm. that you made about people uh, asking you and people coming here who could live anywhere and they have heard about Hannibal and they look around and they go hmm. It really is this way, mm-hmm. and those people that could could live anywhere in the world and have come here. For, and of course, my my favorite thing of people relocating to Hannibal is the person who uh, looked around at the cost of housing, mm-hmm. pulled out pulled out their plastic, and bought a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I live in Washington D.C., and I can assure you, you cannot do that. <laughs> you can well not where I live, but it is it is absolutely my kids' favorite place to visit. They want to come home for Fourth of July. Of all, and I live in the nation's capital, and my kids want to come to Hannibal, Missouri, and they want to do the fence painting, and they want to see this, and they want to do the. They grew up at the frog jumping contest, and they grew up at Tom Sawyer Days. They think the carnival that we have here for Tom Sawyer Days is the best one in the entire world. And so they always want to come back to Hannibal for the fireworks. It just doesn't feel like Fourth of July unless you're in Hannibal. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, that is. Yeah, and yeah, and as we've as you have alluded to. Um, Flood, uh, Flood came out about how long ago? Flood was published in 2017, and okay. we're still talking about it. And I am incredibly honored to be doing so. <laughs> I am grateful when because, people... Because when it, yeah. it, it hadn't been out terribly long, you were with, with uh, you and I were on the mm-hmm. radio talking about it. We that. were. Mm-hmm. It was actually maybe the day before, day after the launch. Um, ah, I live in okay. Washington, D.C. This book has sold in every bookstore across the country. It was a very national distribution, but I wanted the launch of the book to be here. I wanted to bring this book home and be with the people who raised me. And um, and so we launched it first at Left Bank Books in St. Louis at an incredible independent bookstore there. And then uh, I brought it to the Hannibal Arts Council and we did a huge event there. And then the next night we did another event at Mark Twain Museum. So it was important to me for it to be a homecoming, for me to bring this book home and say, hey, I wrote about us. <laughs> and uh, and I wanted to share it here first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, had you had you attempted anything to of this scale, mm-hmm. uh, anything resembling this before as far as a, a project is concerned? Well, as fiction writers, we attempt a lot. Uh, <laughs> and part of presenting at uh, the Clemens Conference is also going back through Clemens's attempts at writing Becky Thatcher and looking at the things he had to change to get it published, which I am heartbroken and fascinated by. Hmm. I know. So um, I have always been a storyteller. My my folks would tell you I've always been a little bit of a liar. Like I was always <laughs> no. stretching the imagination. Embellishing the truth. Yeah, that's I have, it. That's I it. have stories. <laughs> <laughs> and I found a world in which that's really valued, right? The idea of, of having a big imagination. So I came back to the Midwest to do a Master's of Fine Arts program at Southern Illinois University um, in 2009. And so I was writing short stories. I was writing for magazines, writing for newspapers, teaching. I taught middle school and high school for 20 years. So I was always teaching Twain's literature and I was always uh, writing along the way. But the final story in my MFA program was this uh, friendship, this female friendship between Laura Brooks and Rose Haymaker and how um, that was a reimagined Tom and Huck friendship. And I wanted to know, you, when you grow up in Hannibal and you have these statues all around you of Tom and Huck on every corner, you want to know what place you have to and what that friendship would look like um, if it were female. So I wrote that story first. 
and uh, sent it to my editor uh, at The Atlantic, who highly recommended I turn it into a novel. He said if I was from here, had this material, and had this voice, um, and could write uh, women this way, I would consider really digging into how it's a parallel story with Twain leaving and coming home again, and it's a parallel story with the Mississippi River running backwards in 1812, and there's just all these really rich metaphors. So uh, I sat down and wrote a whole draft of it, and then 28 drafts later, here's my beautiful book. Um, not, a, not an easy process by any means. Back to the Hannibal Rivertown Review podcast in just a moment. If you like what you hear, be sure and subscribe and leave us a review. And if you have a suggestion for a future episode, email us at rivertownreview at gmail.com. 28. Yeah. But it looks so easy when you have it in book form, right? right. It's so yeah. pretty. Like, and, oh, look, and there's a yeah. cover. And it's, it's a gorgeous balanced. cover. So, so uh, that was, that was uh, sure, that took maybe a year. Yeah. yeah. You know. I know people who work on books for decades, yes. right? A lifetime. And I find as a writer, most of us are telling the same stories over and over again. And I'm constantly wrestling with what does it mean to have a home? like Hannibal, and what does it mean to go home again, and what does it mean to leave, and how do you see things differently once you have? Um, and the truth is, it's, it's, Hannibal, hasn't, Hannibal has only changed in pretty good ways, but I've left, and so I've actually changed. And so I look at Hannibal differently now because I am born and raised here, but now when I visit, it feels like coming home, but it also feels a bit like being a tourist too. Mm-hmm. You, you do realize you're basically mirroring what Twain said when he when he came and then, yeah, he had know, to leave the yeah. last the last time that mm-hmm. he came you know and, and he said you know he would wake up every morning and he would feel like he was a boy again because he mm-hmm. saw all these familiar things and then he would go to bed and he would feel you know like like an old man because mm-hmm. things had changed but you still have that familiarity mm-hmm. so i think that that's, that comfort I still find water wherever I travel, and I've done more than 200 events across the country since this book came out. The first thing I do when I land in a new city is figure out where their water is. I, I just calibrate according to where the water is, and it I'm keeping my eye on it because I've learned growing up in Hannibal not necessarily to trust the river, but I also, <laughs> it's always a way out, right? It's always a way in, and it's always your livelihood, as it was when Clemens grew up here, but it's also a sometimes a threat, right? It, 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 it mm. boils your existence down in an interesting way. And of mm. course, in 93, when I was in high school here, and we put in the flood walls, yep. and because we put them in right before, mm-hmm. we were able to save the historic downtown Hannibal. And so when people say, is Hannibal open? It's always open now. It's it always open now. Yeah. But there are consequences down the river for one town being able to protect itself that way. So I'm also always fascinated with the levee system and how it is a bigger story in our country of of haves and have-nots of of political power and what it means to live in an actual floodplain. Um, So I think part of the reason I've been writing this book for so long is that I grew up here in 1993 and what that 500-year flood meant for us, uh, which I didn't realize was so traumatic until I had left. I didn't realize until... In Hannibal, I could talk about it all the time. Right. But when I left and wanted to talk about the flood of 93, people just shook huh? their head what? like, what? Is it flooding again? Doesn't it just do that? What is the big deal about it? Yeah. So, well, go ahead. And, th- and that's, and we've talked about this before, you know, of course, Mark Twain, he's the guy that that uh, that put Hannibal on the map. 
but then we along the way we have uh, developed the question but yeah but what what drove mark twain mm-hmm. what 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 tripped his trigger the river mm-hmm. it was the river that's what that's what got him going he'd he did he did if it hadn't been for the civil war he'd he'd wound we'd, we'd have had all these books he'd have been a riverboat mm-hmm. pilot right yeah i mean his name even means uh safe passage, safe passage. Yep. right it means mm-hmm. you have enough depth to actually get through the water right to move your boat through the water mm-hmm. and when when you were here two years ago uh you you left us a copy of of flood and uh, and i read that and it <laughs> I, I really shouldn't really shouldn't say this and say and, it. and and make my you know make myself sound like a complete dummy uh, but the fact that you have that these characters these main characters of yours mm-hmm. were kind of a, a modern day female mm-hmm. Tom and Huck mm-hmm. explains so much to me now mm-hmm. because that went just mm-hmm. right over my head mm-hmm. when I read this and it especially explains so much about the 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 half of that duo that was the huck character because man that was not a nice lady at all you know that is such a great point i absolutely love that you said that Harold, because that um is something that's brought up a lot by readers like why is it that rose just won't behave she's a nasty she's a (laughs) nasty lady do we say the same thing about huck or, or are we uh, having oh, different we're, standards? We're going to go down are that road, Are we having different we? standards for okay. our female characters? Oh, no. I know. Not, but that's yeah. the question I'm raising, right? Is, sure. Is how yeah, do yeah. readers respond to, digest, think about... My job as a fiction writer is just to raise questions. I do not pretend to have all the answers. And, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I say that, and I maybe overstate that a little bit. I mean, the main thing was, I mean, she wasn't a terrible person, except when it came to her ex. Well, and uh, that's true. I, I also think that sometimes divorce brings out sometimes the worst in people mm. and that it's a, it's a true story of, um, of, of her wrestling with whether she wants to stay or she wants to go and yeah. feeling like there's just no right answer for that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, this, yeah the, the, other, the other half of that, of that duo. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. through the entire book, she struggled with that. She does, you know, right. and, and when you leave, can I, can I read mm-hmm. my, of since course. Megan brought it up and I read my favorite Twain quote, when a man goes back to look at the house of his childhood, it has always shrunk. <laughs> there is no instance of such a house being as big as the picture in memory and imagination call for. And I grew up thinking that was the entirety of the quote. But then when I was researching to write this book, I learned that the rest of the quote goes like this. Shrunk how? Why? To its correct size. The house hasn't altered. It is the first time it has been in focus. So I like also wrestling with the idea of, of, of how maybe the town has or has not changed, but I know I have. Mm-hmm. And so what I see has changed. And I think it's, it's, it's um, not me, but it is most definitely me, that my vantage, my experiences, my education, my not education, all of those things have changed the way I look at and appreciate Hannibal even more now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I will also tell you in, that in reading that book, and I was telling Megan that before, before you uh, walked in here uh, this afternoon, uh, that the one, the first thing that impressed me about the book overall is the the picture that you paint, the mm-hmm. the, the the setting of the scene, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. the the descriptive passages, because it, of course we have a little bit of an advantage because we know the setting mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're talking about, mm-hmm. but you know someone who has no knowledge of Hannibal or the area at all will, I mean, you you draw them right in and they know the setting where because more than likely anybody, especially that's from any kind of a rural area, will mm-hmm. have experienced something very similar to that. 
And I think we're always, I hope, asking what part of the stories we tell ourselves are true uh, and which ones aren't. And so for me, being from a place as famous as Hannibal, it seems so obvious to me. Of course, there's Cardiff Hill. And of course, you take a left and then you hit the, and here's the light. You know, you know these, <laughs> yep. uh, but it's actually really hard to describe it to someone who's never been here. And I needed this book to be accessible to people in Hannibal who are so familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted it, though, to reach a, a, a bigger audience that may need reminded a bit of their Clemens history. And so part of my challenge was to include a, a brief historic introduction, all the nonfiction pieces before each chapter that have a metaphor and a parallel so you can read it on so many different levels. You can skip all the Twain stuff and break my heart and still read this. <laughs> and still read this book. Why would anyone do I don't that? know why what? they would. Work so hard some people just this skip. If it's skip. in italic, some people skip it and they're reading. And you have to, <laughs> can't control what a reader will do with your book and can't control. And I find whenever I hear from readers, whatever they have to say, I loved Laura Brooks. I hated Rose Haymaker. What did you do with the ending? Why is this Huck Finn here? You- yeah, the, whatever the question is, I'm grateful for readers. And I love hearing from readers and hearing their perspective on it. Um, and then I, I love encouraging people to write their own books, too. Um, because we all have stories to tell. Well, that's the that's the, uh, the the catchphrase for the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Write your own story. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's true. That's, and yeah, the yeah you you mentioned that. Of course, I'm, I'm not going to tell anything. But I got I got to the very end. And I'm going. Wow. I know. It's well. You wow. have to. You have to have plot that keeps people reading. <laughs> you know, I understand that some of my characters do not behave, but who wants to read about boring people yeah. sitting on the front porch doing nothing? I, I have. Well, that, that's like the national reporters that, that show up here during the in '93 and in 2008 yes. and this past spring, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, the the flood wall is holding and everything is wonderful is not a story. No, the boyhood not- home is underwater. That's, that's a story. Right. Right. So you do have to um, anticipate what your reader needs and wants. And I think maybe sometimes not really give it to them, like give them an ending that that upturns and makes them really think. And the ending of this book is a, is a complete parallel to the scene in Huckleberry Finn, even syntactically. I even actually had to go through on a sentence level and make sure that the parallel worked. And I really wanted it to be a moral wrestling that we think there is one answer, right? levees hold, life is safe, rivers should stay where they go. Um, And yet it's not always true, right? What's right and wrong sometimes has a gray. And another thing that comes to mind is uh, with the, the, the way that the book ended, uh, maybe their possibility would be there for a sequel? A sequel, but certainly a movie. We need to make this movie in Hannibal downtown. Oh, of um, course. Most maybe a sequel. That's a great question. Um, I will work on that yeah, just for you. Because it, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was. It's a, a little open-ended. Yeah, it's it a little is. open-ended. It's a little yeah. open-ended. And, and it just, from what I know about, uh, read about authors and playwrights and that kind of thing, they, they do that kind of thing to leave the possibility that there would be another another chapter, another... I felt that it was open-ended, but most of my readers feel very clearly. They know exactly what Laura Brooks does at the end of this book. And I love listening to readers argue about it. Um, That's fantastic. Because you can't control how a reader, what they bring to it. Exactly. And I think about so many of the books I teach as a literature professor, like Kate Chopin, The Awakening. Mm-hmm. That book has changed every time I've read it. And yet, of course, the book isn't changing. It's me, right? It's what I'm bringing to it. And I think you can't, 
it's delightful that readers bring something different to your books and that they uh, see new things in it. People outside of Hannibal, of course, want to visit Hannibal when I tell, when they read this book, when they see the vivid descriptions, they want to visit America's hometown. And, and it has been, um, I think it's put, helped put the idea of going back to Hannibal on a lot of maps. Um, I hope so. Yeah. Well, which, which kind of something, something that, uh, that Melissa has in common with us. We that's what we're after is get people to come that yeah, haven't been here before. Well, and I keep back. coming home. I keep coming back. And as far as I can tell, they keep letting me in. Um, <laughs> I am related to half the town, and so you know. But which which which, re- which reminds me, uh, since the, since uh, of course it's been a couple of years since you've been here, but uh, a part of uh, of course the entire. Uh, we have a community, of course, where everybody is family to one extent or another, whether actually by blood or not. But we we lost this community lost a very special lady, a, that, that an absolute it, servant, is, is family of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our, our friend, our friend Debbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she ran the Nutri- Hannibal Nutrition Center, and and her daughters are. I just saw my cousins yesterday. Uh, they're carrying on, and but it's it's a huge loss. It's yeah. a huge loss. Also, I mean, it's a huge loss for the community. But my aunt Debbie was my biggest fan. And if I published anything anywhere, my Aunt Debbie emailed me immediately, sent me a picture of her with it. Um, she was actually in the hospital when this book was launched. And uh, she made uh, no qualms about asking me to come over right before the launch and bring her my copy and, and, and talk about the book so that she could be there also, Yeah, and, um, and even course, as she was fighting cancer. Yeah, mm-hmm. And now, of course, the, the, the building in which the Nutrition Center is bears her name mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. The, the Debbie Catlett Senior Center. It's a huge honor. Yeah, mm-hmm. most definitely. Mm-hmm. Where at, and uh, since, of course, when you were here before, it was in hardcover. Mm-hmm. Now, now it is now in paperback. Now it's in paperback. Mm-hmm. I just saw it. It's over at the Mark Twain Museum. They're selling out copies of it. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So if the folks would like to mm-hmm. get a copy of Flood, where can they find that? They can find it at any bookstore, but I really would like to encourage you to buy local. I would love for people to find their independent bookstore, to stop in at the Mark Twain Museum, to keep their money in their communities whenever they can. I think that's what matters. Whenever I'm here, I can't get enough Ayers pottery into my suitcase. <laughs> They're going to stop me at the airport, but this is what I love, and I'd rather spend my money in my hometown. Why do you have 18 pie I need them. I need eighteen pies. I need them. I do. They're beautiful pieces of art. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do, do you have a, a, a website? Uh, anything like that? People I do. Can, uh... They can go to melissascholesyoung.com, and there are our interview is on there, um, and there's interviews with NPR all over the country on there. There are a lot of fun pictures of me painting the fence since I couldn't be a Becky. Mm. Um, there's there's a lot of fun things that have that that show you how much this book has, has meant to me, but how much the book has traveled as well. Like I said, to be in more than 200 events in the last two years has, has been quite an honor. That is fantastic. And, yeah. and like you said, it's so unique. Most people don't realize unless they come here that the places that Twain wrote about not only were they real, they're still here. Yeah. You know, there really is a Cardiff Hill, which, was there's, there's, renamed there's, after the fictional hill mm-hmm. in his book, but mm-hmm. you know, there really was a Laura Hawkins <laughs> and, and her house and you, is here. You can go to and, the ca- and, and the new Becky Thatcher house is absolutely stunning. The new the new exhibits, even just you know in the last couple of years, are just uh, so professional and so inviting. You can go to the cave. You can run up to the lighthouse. You can and exactly. uh, visit the Boyhood home and and visit, of course, Jim's journey as well. There's so many new places here. 
Yeah. And people and people who listen to this podcast and don't know any better thinking, man, all the episodes that they've had and they've had all these interesting people and uh, they got to be out of interesting people by now. No, and no, uh, no, not not by a long shot. No. And I'm not I'm not out of finding interesting places in Hannibal either. Every time I come <laughs> home, I feel like I discover something new about my hometown that I, I really probably should have known. Yeah. Melissa Scholes Young, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I'm and and good luck with your uh, with your presentation. Thank uh, you for the uh, for the Clemens Conference, mm. and we thank you for being there for uh, yet another uh, another episode of Hannibal's original podcast, the Rivertown Review, and uh, the the our new big voice announcer at the beginning, the middle, and the end will tell you everything as far as. Um, suggestions for show ideas and email address and Facebook and all of that good stuff. I'm Harold Smith. And I'm Megan Rapp. And we will see you next time on the Rivertown Review Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Hannibal Rivertown Review Podcast. For comments and suggestions, email us at rivertownreview at gmail.com. Find us at rivertownreview.com or at Rivertown Review on Facebook. Mm-hmm.